Hi, everybody. I'm Joe Byer, the executive director of Parallel 45 Theater, and I'm really excited to welcome you to the first ever P45 Theater podcast. Um, we're trying this out this summer. It's the cultural comeback summer, and uh, we're going to be bringing you ongoing behind the scenes stories and coverage with our actors, designers, technicians. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll follow us all summer. Thank you so much. Um, I, I wanted to just thank you so much for coming tonight. And along with the powerful performances that we are uh, privileged to put on for you, the community, every once in a while, we like to take a moment and have a quick conversation about the stories that we're presenting. And so I'm very grateful that our brilliant director, Kit McKay, agreed to uh, share a little bit about her process of picking this show and also developing it. And when she agreed to do that, which is the first time she'll be talking about it uh, tonight, I thought of a new friend of mine, Anthony Weber, a local pastor, um, an ethics instructor at NMC, Go Hawk Owls. And uh, he also agreed that he would have this conversation with Kit. So it's going to be about 10 minutes long, and then we would love to hear if anyone else has questions. So if you would join me in welcoming our director, Kit McKay, and our moderator, Anthony Weber. Okay, Kit. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that ending. We'll get there in a minute. But we only have 10 minutes, so insert small talk here. Let's get right to it. You uh, wrote in the show notes, or at least it's noted in the show notes, that you're doing this play focusing on, on one of the most urgent themes of our times and a story that at its essence is of a family caught in crisis and whose faith and resilience is tested at the deepest levels possible during an extreme socio-political culture. So why this theme? I've seen Sound of Music before. It's not often something that kind of pops, and it really popped in your presentation of it. What is it that drew you to using Sound of Music to focus on that kind of thing? It's interesting because that marketing language is wrong. The family does not get tested. They, well, they get tested, but their faith is never shaken, thanks to Maria. Um, my, my point of view in producing the metaphor of this play is to show what happens when you feel supported and loved by the universe and by God or the gods, and then uh, to feel what it feels like when you get abandoned and when horrible things happen uh, during that abandonment. So it's the feeling of possible abandonment, but not full abandonment. So I noticed kind of the chorus that was present throughout the play that was intermingling with different roles and kind of in the background they were setting the tone, and, and in the first half, they're very present, they're very engaged, they're active, and in the second half, not so much. Uh, here's my question. Do they come back? They move on to another story. <laughs> so I don't know if you've noticed, but the two chorus members who exit at the very end, right prior to Mother Abbas's final dilemma, uh, they're exiting without much care, to what's happening on stage, and they're moving on to another story and another uh, task, and another immortal task. The theme of mountains stood out to me tonight. 
And I, I suspect that was purposeful, but early on in some conversation, and then I began to notice it in the song, what's it called when you begin to notice things that you're looking out for? And even when we get to the, the song, Climb Every Mountain, which is obvious, and it's Follow Every Rainbow, and it's this really hopeful and positive song, but at the end, the mother abbess has to climb her mountain, and it's not a positive and happy ending. And at the beginning of the musical, the mountains are this place of rest and of hope and of um, life. And now, now at the end, you're introducing this tension of, but mountains can be something else also. Where does that come from? Where does that come from in your life? Thank you for addressing the idea that the mountains are treacherous. That is a very important point of view of this piece, that when they go over the mountains at the end, that they are a family displaced and that it's not necessarily a happy ending. They do make it over the mountains. I can tell you that because the real life people did make it over the mountains and they're in Vermont, half of them now. Um, but that there's a battle, that they're going through enemy territory, that they have to fight to survive. And for um, me, uh, the metaphor, as you know, is uh, that we all have our own demons that we have to confront. And sometimes they are inner, but a lot of times they are things that happen to you that you have to face. As Mother Abbas says in the Abbey, you have to face your problems. These walls cannot shut them out. Uh, and for me, it was when my daughter got sick that I uh, was confronted with the idea of feeling abandoned and then having to face a very difficult uh, exterior event that was not in any way my fault. It wasn't something I could own up to. It wasn't something that I had a part in making which is not something you can say all the time, that you, we have things we have to address and face that aren't something we generated. And you didn't know what kind of mountain range you were entering. No, yeah, it's that all a big old metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the one song with the captain and his temporary fiance and Max, I believe, when there were apologies to her. Um, She's amazing. Yeah. By the way, this was a really exceptional production. Really exceptional. <laughs> they had that song about idealism and realism. And they're wanting him to be real, I think. Like, accept what you've been given. Accept that this Nazi mountain is daunting. But he's clinging, I think, to this idea that, no, there is an ideal and I won't let the ideal die. The ideal is better than this. Do, do you feel like that, too, is kind of a theme? Like, that song felt pivotal to me when they sang it, that they're balancing this tension of, you don't want to look away from the harshness and reality of life. Mountains can go either way. And yet, there's, there's a thread that seems to run through this musical that even while you see the real for what it is, you don't lose your vision of the ideal. You're very smart at reading things. <laughs> I will say this. No Way to Stop It, which is, the, which is the song you're referencing, is the entire point of view of our play. And it does, it's a political statement, certainly, but it's also a personal statement. Uh, and uh, as you know, one of the ways in which me and my family coped during the transition of Scout getting devastatingly ill was to say, it's not a big deal. 
it's not happening. It's, I'm not going to look at it. It's, it's going to get better. And you, with each moment you say, I'm going to compromise. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to adjust. I'm going to be positive. And what happened was that she's fine now. Sorry. I always forget to say that. She's fine. <laughs> she's great. She's six years old and she's doing great. Um, but what happens is the oncologists basically slap you in the face and say, no, it's not fine. She's the worst patient in the hospital. She's unwell and it's not good. And I think that this, this whole play, beyond being a, a sociopolitical examination of a lot of things, is also a personal examination for me of when I have to wake up and when I have to take action and when I have to walk up my own mountain. Because God's not gonna do that for you. You have to walk yourself. And that's what I found in this play, in the metaphor of this play, was the idea that you have to meet God halfway, that it's not huh, in this position, their, it's not their job to make it happen, it's yours. I've heard the analogy uh, that if you're looking to dig a hole and God gives you a shovel, he expects <laughs> you to use it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it made me think of one, of one of the things that I regretted after my dad's death from cancer was that I had trouble looking at him, literally, just watching how it was ravaging him. I still remember him visiting for a weekend, and I, I didn't look at him. And I wish I had because there was something about having the fortitude and the courage to see what's real. Um, and, and there is a, uh, there's even hopefulness in that, I think, even though it did not what end well for him, something about being able to acknowledge that and then look around to find what are those things that bring us hope. So here's my, probably my last question because I feel like 10 minutes probably went fast. I don't know if I'm missing any signals or not. But it's this, does Sound of Music point toward a way out? In the sense of, let's kind of fill in some blanks as it goes on. What are the elements you see in the story that says, even in the midst of these difficulties, your son becomes a Nazi? The mother, as this ends, right, the, the mother abbess is, um, ends in death. What does Sound of Music offer to us that says, even when we see life for what it is, and it's real and it's hard, that there, there is something toward which we turn our eyes and sing? Certainly it starts with no way to stop it, and it ends with climb every mountain for a reason. It's meant to say, there's a happy ending if you make it. Uh, but the world will not make it for you, nor will the cosmos. It's got to be your own feet and your own sight. It's about vigilance. So fear, as I, as I said in my notes, uh, I've, I found a, a sense of fear and existential dread and personal and physiological dread when what I thought I was entitled to was almost lost. And it woke me up. And it stopped me from feeling entitled. And it stopped me from thinking in toxic positivity all the time. And it made me, it made me look at the situation with sharper sight and make better choices. And uh, I don't think that they were my choices that made the happy ending, but I do think the end of this play says we all make our happy ending through the, our own personal uh, steps up the mountain. I think we could have a whole other discussion about the difference between toxic positivity and hope. 
That was a great phrase. Yep. All right, I think we have a couple minutes if the audience would like to ask questions. And, oh, I was giving my, that's okay. We have time for two questions that I can, I can take. I'm so sorry to cut it short. We do have time for two, and I see a hand right here in the front row. So I'm gonna come over to you. And here you are. Why at the end did the nun die? Why was she shot in this particular portrayal? Because in this particular metaphor, she didn't have a choice. This was the bad thing. So in the metaphor, she's cancer, right? She's the one who gets, who perishes. She's the bad news. And the reason the family survives is because they clock the cancer coming in early. This is why we had uh, the actor in the Nazi costume coming forward more and more throughout the second act. It was a metaphor for the tidal terror that comes sometimes, whether it be personal or the entire Western Europe. Uh, it's uh, She dies because that's what happens. Yeah, not, not all battles end well. And the family, the, the good news in the end of this metaphor is the family avoids that end for the most part. Well, one thing that struck me with, with your ending is that if we all knew that every mountain we faced would end with a happy ending with Skittles and rainbows, um, it would be easy to have the courage to face those mountains. But I think part of what calls out courage in us is that we often face mountains that we don't know. Um, and it, that, it just struck me with the ending that you chose, that song suddenly became poignant, um, even more than encouraging. Lovely, we have a second question right over here. Hi, I, uh, I got to attend your production of Hair. And the, the connection, I thought, you bring joy to such height. I felt it so much in the ensemble pieces here. But man, you had some sinister things around the edges that Julie Andrews never had to contend with. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I wondered, the six chairs, what I thought, the six million Jews who died in World War II, was that the connection you were going for? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You're good at reading things, too. I'm going to give you that one. Uh, you caught that. I, I didn't, right? You, that was an, that's an amazing interpretation. And I, I love those kind of readings. I think that's incredible, yes. The other thing I would say is I, I see that being mature spiritually or, or persevering, as you, as you say, is an individual thing. But I thought the institution of the church looked okay in this. You know, there were elders. You, you don't go hiding in the church. You stay with your best integrity. I, I kind of appreciated that in a time when the church doesn't have a lot of credibility and culture to some people. The church looks pretty good here. And aren't they just heroes in this story? They're, the nuns are absolute heroes. That's why we present them in such a contemporary way at the top, is to make them believable and lovely so that when they persevere at the end, for the most part, again, uh, that, they, that they do end up as heroes. And that, is, that's a, that was intentional. So I appreciate your comment, and I'll go back to that real versus ideal, that the reality is that the church struggles with some issues that 
they need to struggle with because not everything's gone well. But the play presents almost a more ideal version, like it's possible for it to be something it might not be now. Yeah, it's aspirational in some ways. I know this is a very sad ending to The Sound of Music, uh, but I, I find it to be extraordinarily aspirational. That's a wrap on today's P45 Theater Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And we'd really love to see you this summer at the theater. So for tickets, go to parallel45.org.